If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make your podcast. Let me tell you why. First of all, it's free. You pay no fee whatsoever. It's absolutely, totally free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And most of all, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more platforms. Well, the most important thing is that you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Well, what are you waiting for? Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. What are you waiting for? Go ahead and subscribe and make your own podcast. It's free. Welcome to this new episode of the podcast Self-Evolution Regardless. I'm your host, Maramber Homa, and I welcome you to listen to this podcast about narcissism in general, toxic relationships, and ways to deal with them and to save ourselves, but most importantly, seek self-evolution regardless of the abuse. I hope you enjoy and find this episode and the upcoming ones enjoyable and insightful in any way shape or form and i thank you very much for listening now let's get started welcome to another episode of the podcast self-evolution regardless and today we're going to be focusing on the second part of yesterday's episode about uh children learning what they live with so we mentioned uh some good and some bad environments from which children um, learn certain behaviors as long as they have been living with um, systems by their uh, families. So the second part is going to focus further on this idea and elaborate in uh, more. Uh, again, the source is the same, down, uh, org. So, um, so I have a question, and it always seems that, you know, we really want to be strict on the children, we want to tame them, we want to, we want to make them the best people the society can count on. But there's a question here. Where did we ever get this insane idea that in order to make our children uh, do better, first we have to make them feel worse. And this is common and noticeable almost everywhere in homes and also in schools. A lot of the times we pressure, we put pressure on uh, students in schools, uh, especially primary schools, because that's where all of the childhood is spent. Um, So we focus on putting the pressure on these students to make them do better. But what we're doing is we're scolding them, we're screaming at them, we're making them feel worthless, we're always comparing them with others, we're always uh, expressing that we're never satisfied with their efforts, we want them to do more, we want them to do better. What What we're doing instead is making them feel worse aren't we? 
So where did we get this insane idea from anyway? I mean, how could we possibly, uh, you know, want to pursue the goal of making the children do better when all we do is putting them down? Children will see what you're all about by what you live rather than what you say. So children are not stupid, okay? They're not like gullible creatures. You know, they understand things. They understand what's going on around them. They understand the environment that's going on without, with, uh, around them. And, and most of the time, they don't just believe what you say. You know, they don't just obey what you say. But um, they follow what you do. They see the way that you live by, and that's how they follow you as a parent or an instructor. And it's by action that determines the what the child is going to follow, not what, what, not what we say. Because sometimes what we say contradicts what we do, and that's really confusing for the child. Imagine if... We had to do this all the time to the child. Uh, it's extremely confusing and tiring to have to be in that position to think about, you know, um, why is what they're saying is opposite to what they're doing, you know? So we have to make sure that everything is coherent and um, we have to be models that they can follow, not by what we say, but what we, but by what we do. Children are likely to live up to what you believe in them. If we believe that they're stupid, they're going to live up to that. If we believe that they're hardworking, they're going to live up to that as well, in different manners. If we believe, if we believe in them that they are um, attractive, they're going to live up to that. And they're going to think uh, to themselves that they're attractive as well, etc. So, what we believe in these children is what's, is what they're going to likely live up to. And it all starts from the home, the context of the home and parents and family. It's not giving children more, and this is extremely important, it's not giving children more that spoils them. So, we see a lot of times children will want to get this toy and get this doll and get this ball and get everything and here and now and everything. But it's not giving them that makes them spoiled. It's giving them more to avoid confrontation. And then we see the parent who, uh, you know, whenever they hear or see their child crying and nagging for 10 minutes straight, they just go ahead and buy that toy just to make the, ch the child stop complaining and to make them happy and it's all just to stop confronting the child of being uh, a little bit more you know um, empathic and think about their parents for a sec and put them uh, how do we say it wear the shoes of the parents, idiomatically speaking. You know, feel what the parents are feeling because it's money spent after all. It's not just magic, you know. So 
it's more like avoiding calm, firm, and convincing confrontation with the child to make them, uh, you know, stop being overly emotional and reactive whenever they see, and overly excited whenever they see toys, and then complain and cry and hit stuff and be violent uh, towards anyone who says no, giving them more and just purchasing that toy silently just to avoid confrontation is only cowardly and is only uh, something that an exhausted, um, an exhausted, um, neglectful kind of, in a way, of course, parent would do. And that's is bad. You know, we have to be able to confront our children about their constant desires for everything that they see and want and calmly discuss with them the importance of um, holding their desires back a little. You know, just hold it, okay? Hold up. Um Okay, so it's not a bad thing that children should occasionally and politely put parents in their place. And this is extremely important because whenever parents spend too much money on the toys of the children and on what the latest and newest doll that they want, you know, it's not a bad thing. In fact, it's really good and uh, reasonable for parents to discuss this topic with their children occasionally, but especially politely that uh, children should put, uh, you know, their parents in their place. Children require guidance and sympathy far more than instruction. Uh, We don't have to just give them orders all the time. Do this, do that, don't do this, don't do that, go there, go here. It almost feels robotic, you know, in a way, giving instructions feels like um, you're objectifying the child and you're making them feel like a robot. They're supposed to obey you no matter what you say. Instead, they're human beings just like us. They're growing up. They're discovering themselves. They're discovering their personalities, what they tend towards, what they like and dislike. Um, So they require guidance and sympathy. Guidance comes from us modeling behaviors of what we do in front of them once, twice, and many more times so that actions become habits. And sympathy, you know, whenever there's some sort of emotional reaction towards something, you know, we show show some kind of love and affection towards that child in explaining them things of this world and how they function instead of giving them instructions all the time and trying to be bossy, you know, it doesn't work like that. In fact, in fact, children hate that. I wonder if you, my listener, would hate it as well. Well, I'm pretty sure in my childhood I hated it. Well, You may agree or disagree, I don't mind at all, I'm just saying. Okay, this is part of uh, the topic still. So back to the topic. We worry about what a child will become tomorrow, yet we forget what he or she is today. 
frequently, and let me say almost always, we we want to paint this picture, this perfect picture of the future of what our child will want to become in the future, or if it's a child, if it's your own child or a child of your own, meaning if it's a child from your bearing or a child that is close to you or that you know in an acquaintance, like a student or a niece or a nephew or whomever. Okay, so in this case, and we do this all the time, unfortunately, is that we really want to paint this perfect, flawless picture of uh, how we want our child to become in the future. We focus on that so much that we forget that this child is already someone today. They're doing someone today. They're doing something today. Trying to prove something today, right here, right now. But we almost always forget about that and instead focus on the future and worry about the future. And it's stressful to have to go through that all the time. So obviously, obviously, we shouldn't be worrying about that constantly. We should focus on the present moment and try to help build this child and what they are today so that uh, the small buildings that, that accumulate day by day are going to constitute the future that we're hoping for. So let's focus on today instead of worrying about the future. If you mess up raising your children, I don't think whatever else you do well matters very much. Of course, everybody makes mistakes. Nobody's perfect. When it comes to raising children, it's difficult enough already. Okay, it's a lot of responsibility and taking charge and uh, showing leadership skills and a lot of patience and hope and but you know a lot of times there's stress involved stress of work stress of spouse relationship um stress of the extended family perhaps there's some sort of a misunderstanding going on you know And let's not forget that circumstances like those, like stress and um, anger and frustration and all that, can mess up raising a child. And instead of wanting to raise a child in a healthy manner, we end up abusing the child emotionally and or physically. And that by itself, raising the child is all there is to do. But if it's messed up to the extent that the child hates their parent, or if they grow up at least to become adults, they hate their parents, there's nothing much left to do. Raising the child is the most important thing an adult can do. So the important thing here is to raise the child well with the good standards and the good values and 
with positivity and actual unconditional genuine love. There is a pervasive tendency to treat children as adults and adults as children. This happens a lot when someone doesn't know what they're doing. So instead of teaching a child like a child and an adult as an adult, we a lot of times end up treating that child, even though that child can be only like 10 years old or 12, uh, we, we treat them like as if they are adults. We hand them responsibilities that are uh, overwhelming for them. We make them adults early on. And to make matters worse, we treat an adult like a child. Imagine having to deal with a tantrum of an adult. Man, call 911, save your ass. <laughs> you know, it's serious. It's really a dangerous tendency that um, ruins everyone, basically. Reversal of the of the natural, uh, how do I say, the natural way of things. We should never treat children as adults and adults as children. You know, we should never reverse the nature of things. While we try to teach our children all about life, our children teach us what life is all about. It's kind of like uh, saying we teach the theoretical part of what life is all about. You know, what is it? What it constitutes the physics, the math, the science, the arts. But children teach us what life is all about practically speaking, because they try to apply that math and apply those arts when they have creative projects. They apply that literature when they read stories. They apply that that physics, those physics when they play around in the playground. And it's like, I don't really think this is a bad thing, but it completes each other. These half- these two halves complete each other. When we teach our children all about life, that completes children teaching us what life is all about. You know what I'm saying? Children sel seldom misquote. In fact, they usually repeat word for word what you shouldn't have said. <laughs> oh bad one. A lot of times we cuss or insult or gossip or just mention someone badly. Um, and when children are involved in this, they don't lie. They hardly ever misquote. And I remember myself when I was young, I used to always just say the things that have been said to me word for word, letter by letter, literally. And most of those things were things <laughs> uh, my relatives shouldn't have said. And so 
of course, I was a child back then, so what do you expect? And so I think it happens to you, my listener, if you were, you know, when you were a child, of course, you would never misquote. You would repeat things word for word. Even the things your parents or siblings shouldn't have said, they regret saying them. And that's the thing. If you are in the middle of that situation, you're basically caught red-handed. Uh, so if you say something you think you shouldn't have said, you regret saying that, just apologize. Take, you know, take responsibility of your mistake. Own that mistake. And uh, don't just show that you're sorry. Don't just say you're sorry and you start crying. But actually own up to it and just don't do it again. <laughs> okay? All right. Uh, we're going to continue with the ifs here. And these ifs are so amazing. And this is the second half of the ifs that I mentioned yesterday. Okay. So if children live with approval, they learn to like themselves. If we approve of their efforts, of what they do, what they try, they will learn to like themselves. They will think to themselves, oh my god, I have people who actually approve of me. Now I can show them what I can do and I'll try my best. They will always appreciate my efforts because they approve of what I do and approve of me. Therefore, I'm going to like myself. If children live with recognition, they learn to have a goal. How many times have we had our projects or, uh, you know, some kind of research that we have to do? And when we go to our parents, we want to impress them, or not just impress them, but get their uh, point of view and opinion and advice about what we can do in terms of enhancing the research and all that. If we can get our work recognized, and I mean, what I mean by recognized is acknowledged, you know, when uh, the extended family members come over, there should be an acknowledgement of the efforts of that child, you know. If there's recognition, if they live with that, if it's something that is habitual, they're going to learn to have a goal and to set a goal, which is awesome because, you know, they feel really valued and uh, looked at. They don't feel invisible. The children feel like they matter in this family. And so as long as they're recognized, they're going to have and pursue goals, which is going to motivate them to, to, uh, to be ambitious and work hard. If children live with sharing, they learn generosity. What is better than sharing? I mean, seriously, even, even just the smallest things that parents can share between each other or siblings can share, children will learn what generosity means and what it's all about. 
Or think about it this way. If parents have old stuff and clutter that they need to get rid of, if they see how much they're sharing with the poor, with those in need, um, constantly, and it's something that their parents love to do, it's not something that they have to do, they feel like they, they um, the world's going to end if they don't, you know, give away stuff, but actually they love sharing, they're going to learn generosity, and when they become adults, they're going to be so generous with others and they're going to give to the poor and give to the needy and the world is going to become a better place of course if children live with honesty they learn truthfulness let me just oh my god this feels so awesome just saying these if children live with honesty they learn truthfulness If they notice all the time that their parents are admitting to their mistakes and whenever they're, um, worst case scenario ever, arguing or just even discussing topics together, if they see and notice and live with that moment that their parents are being honest with each other, if they made a mistake, they own up to it and they're honest, never lie, they never hide things they're going to learn the meaning, the true meaning of truthfulness, and they're going to be truthful adults themselves when they grow up. And truthfulness is extremely powerful and important in someone's life, and it contributes a lot to someone's dignity and uh, respect, respect in terms of Uh, respecting others, but also earning it. It really plays a huge role in that. Okay, so moving on. If children live with fairness, they learn justice. If fairness is seen constantly each and every day, displayed and um, taught to them, or shown to them, if they don't compare them to their siblings all the time, if um, whenever uh, either of the siblings made a mistake, they try to make sure that the situation is fair for each and every one, everyone deserves what they get, you know, all that kind of stuff, they're going to learn justice when they grow up, and they're going to implement it in their real life once they become adults because they have lived with what the concept of fairness is. They saw what it is. They heard what it is. And once they grow up to become adults, they're going to learn and live with justice themselves and contribute to a better functioning world, of course, as a consequence. Next, if children live with kindness and consideration, they learn respect. Parents are the best givers and showers of kindness and consideration. They can be the worst takers of that, but they can also be the best givers of kindness and consideration. The best givers to their children or other people. But if they live with the habit of seeing kindness manifest itself, 
and consideration also manifesting itself, they will learn respect. Kindness requires someone to be good to others, to be humble, and to, you know, be honest and to give sometimes. Consideration requires empathy and warm, you know, feeling, feeling warm. The warmth of um, the empathy itself, that's what it requires. Consideration is basically warm, tender, and caring empathy towards others. If they live with these, they will learn respect. You know, respect uh, as respect for themselves, respect for others, and earning it. Next, if children live with security, they learn to have faith in themselves and in those around them. This is a very, very strong one. If they live with security in an environment where they feel secure and safe and protected, they learn to have faith in themselves, they learn to believe in themselves and in those around them. Take, for example, someone who is emotionally or physically or sexually abusive. As long as they live with security and protection away from this kind of abuse, they're going to have faith in themselves and in those around them. And, of course, they're going to love them because they show what uh, protection and security mean. And finally, if children live with friendliness, they learn that the world is a nice place to live in and that people can be serving 